You are tuned into the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, your Rx for success in nutrition, mindset, and health to dispense the best version of you. The Fit Pharmacist is a movement in the profession of pharmacy. Here is your host for the show, Dr. Adam Martin. What we know is one thing, but how we relay that message to patients and providers we work with, that is how we communicate will determine the outcome of our best intentions. As pharmacists, we are the most accessible healthcare provider for our patients, which affords us a phenomenal opportunity to serve as their liaison in guiding them to their optimal health. Part of that responsibility is leveraging our contacts with those in other healthcare settings. The most common interaction many of us experience is with physicians, you know, doctor calls. However, it's more than just taking verbal prescription orders or retrieving voicemails to transcribe them into scripts. It's sharing the common goal of delivering the very best care to the patient so that we can work as a team to make that happen. While there is stigma around only seeing your physician for two minutes or less after waiting 60 minutes, and in that two minutes, your doc doesn't even look up from their chart at you, the patient, there are professionals at work who make the patient experience much deeper than just finding the chief complaint and writing a script in a race against time. There are those looking to implement shared decision-making, a process that enables patient-centeredness, whereby patients and clinicians who engage in shared decision-making work together to understand the patient's situation and determine the best course of action to address it. I thought, what better way to learn how to optimize this endeavor than by going straight to the source, a physician who practices this herself. The professional I'm about to introduce to you all is Dr. Jennifer E. Souders, MD, board certified in anesthesiology, pain medicine, and addiction medicine. She earned her MD degree at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. She was on the faculty of the University of Washington for approximately 20 years before going into private practice and currently practices pain medicine in Washington State. She is also the medical director of the Diet Doc LLC. The Diet Doc is the answer to failed cookie cutter, template-driven dieting programs in an industry plagued by a 98% failure rate. The Diet Doc synergizes the science and support necessary for enduring client success. Through her work and extensive experience in healthcare, Dr. Souders has found it optimal to utilize a multidisciplinary approach to patients, which emphasizes improving their level of function, fostering greater self-efficacy, and enhancing quality of life. It is my pleasure to introduce you all to Dr. Jennifer Souders. Doc, welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Thanks, Adam. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I had my coffee, and I think you had your Red Bull. Is that right? Well, I actually switched it up to a blue monster this morning just because I felt so, so excited to, to be here. And I thought I'd just try something a little different. Oh, we, we all love the monster. It brings out the beast in us all. <laughs> know it. So, Doc, communication, not just between us. So I'm a pharmacist, you're a physician. So not just between healthcare provider to healthcare provider, but more importantly, between us and the patient. So between healthcare provider to the patient, how are we doing and how do we even approach this topic? 
Well, some of us are doing pretty well, but a recent publication that I read last week would indicate that quite a few of us are not doing particularly well. And there's a publication. Uh, oh, I can't recall exactly the resource. And um, you see what you did there, Adam? Oh, what did I do right there? Well, it, it was about interrupting. Oh, did I interrupt? Oh. Yeah. That was, <laughs> and that's the topic of the, of, of the paper. Exactly. It was, it was exactly perfectly the timing. Let me tell you about this paper a little bit, if I may. Yes. So, guys, that was a planted interruption just to set the stage for you. Um, but yes, please talk about um, the paper in communication um, and how interruptions can really have a play in communicating with the patient. Yeah, it really, I mean, and that really hits across because we can hear it, you know, mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily perceive it when we're doing it. So just uh, to summarize what this paper found was they looked at patients coming into healthcare clinic sessions. So where you're meeting a patient and they looked at primary care and specialists and a patient has what's called an agenda, which I don't like that word very much. It sounds like something ulterior, but basically it's the patient wants to come in and tell you what's going on, right? They, they're there for a reason. So they want to express why they're there and what they want to talk about. And of the patients who came into these clinics, only about a third of the healthcare practitioners even started the conversation by asking them, why were they there? What can I do for you today? You know, giving them that opportunity to express themselves. Of the third who were asked, when they started to respond, two-thirds of them were interrupted within the first 11 seconds of their answer. Wow. And they could only get finished if they got their answer out on an average of six seconds. Wow. That's pretty bad, don't you think? Yeah, it's not too good. I think you gave me more than 11 seconds. I tried, I tried to be generous. It, it, was hard to, it was hard to force the interruption, but I managed to squeak it out. And, you know, it's normal in conversations. People's, people talk and they overlap. That's okay. Um, but, but we do need, I think, the first thing is to ask. Yes. When I come into a patient room and I see someone sitting there, I, even if I know this patient for years, I introduce myself I, and I say, hello, Mr. Smith or whomever. How are you today? Tell me what's going on. And sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just here for my routine checkup as, as we had scheduled. Um, everything's good. Nothing new to report. Great. You know, but sometimes they, they have something that they really want to convey. And if we don't ask them, I don't know if people really feel always that comfortable. Mm -hmm. I know that the healthcare situation is intimidating and it's an uncomfortable setting. No matter how comfortable we make it, I think it's a little uncomfortable. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, it's actually known as the white coat effect, as, as you know, and this can actually be measured uh, when you take blood pressure just for someone that's you know in the office. They're not, for some people, not all, but their blood pressure can be markedly increased just from being 
around a doctor in an office. So that, that can be actually measured. Yeah. And, and I definitely see that. And I know exactly who it is on patients I see regularly. Um, it's almost like a running joke. They're like, I, I did my mindfulness. I did my breathing. I did my bio. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's still 154 over 90, sir. I'm sorry. Just don't worry about it. It's okay. Yes. So um, looking at, at what you what you do, um, I guess you could say your main point. So the first is, you know, setting the stage and really creating an opportunity for that discussion to happen. Yes, absolutely. Some people won't be forward. And so it's, it's our initiative to ask. Now, if you come in and after you introduce yourself, they right away start talking without you having to ask. That's great. That's easy. They, they, you know, they definitely have something that they want to go through. And so that's great. You're letting them take control. Mm -hmm. The next hard part is the listening. How many of us, I wonder, actively try to work on listening? This is a big thing for me. I have worked at it and I'm still not where I want to be. And I try and actively focus on it every single encounter. What do you think in your practice? Have you had a chance to observe any of your colleagues or... Have you had a chance to have patients give feedback that, oh, I saw so-and-so and he wouldn't explain it to me, so I'm hoping you will explain this medicine to me? What's your experience? Oh, yes, on almost a daily basis. Um, and, and sometimes it, it makes me wonder because let's say someone's starting a new antidepressant and say, you know, do you have questions? Oh, I have questions. My doctor didn't say a thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that you know that that can happen but i hear it so frequent so i think it's interesting how you say listening um as opposed to hearing um not just being quiet and not interrupting that that's you know just not what listening is in its entirety but really having a, a deeper level of understanding um so to answer your question absolutely the listening thing is a work in progress i think in all of our niches to not just hear what the person's saying um, and, and not interrupting, but really listening and, and getting to the root of, you know, their motivation, what they're looking to accomplish, what their, what their goals or, or prerogatives are in, in that discussion. Yeah. I think the paper that, that was the basis of our conversation today makes it pretty clear that the first thing we need to do is ask the patient a question or give them an opportunity to speak. And then we need to shut our yap. And I think I can't I can't generalize for others, but for me, my problem when I interrupt is because I quiet my mouth initially, but I have to quiet my brain. Mm. And that is the one thing that takes so much practice because as the patient starts speaking, we're trained to be diagnosticians, right? Analyze, yes. And so we go down our little rabbit hole of healthcare provider analysis. So as they're telling their story, I've picked up on a keyword or a phrase, and I'm hanging on that thing. Mm. And my head is, is now 
following that track, the person is still speaking and I'm not actually hearing everything because I'm following this path and it's so difficult. And it is a, it is a thing that I don't think is possible to fix unless you really put effort into it. Yes. So I think what, what the point you're driving is really being present with the patient. Um, so the first point you said is creating that opportunity. So, you know, making them comfortable or allowing them to voice what they're, what they're there for. The second one is you want to quiet your, your own brain as the healthcare provider, because like you said, we are trained to, you know, be efficient and analyze and really get to what's going on. But in that same token, while we try that and our efforts are good, we lose our presence in really listening to what the concerns are. So really having that balance of doing your job as a provider to analyze and really get to what's going on, but also having that component of humanity and really being present and listening with the patient on a deeper level of understanding. Absolutely. Anybody who does mindfulness, um, this will really be helpful in your listening practice because it is actively being able to practice mindfulness in the moment and, and quieting the brain to be more receptive to what's coming to you from the outside world, and in this case, it's the patient. Another thing I like to do is after I've listened or they give a natural pause that allows me to, to comment, mm -hmm. I like to try and paraphrase back what I'm hearing. So I will say something to the effect of, so Mr. Smith, what, what I think I'm hearing from you is that Da, 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 da. And that way, I've told him what I heard, and I'm giving him again a second opportunity to correct me. Yes, um, I agree with that. And guys, this is such a huge tip, um, especially in, in pharmacy practice, not just when it comes to counseling, but if you've ever encountered um, a patient that's very upset, um, regardless of the reason. Um, this serves two purposes, Te the teaching back that uh, Dr. Souders is talking about. One, it acknowledges them. It points the focus on what they just said, so it kind of gives them the platform, and that makes them feel heard. Okay. The second thing is it makes them feel understood, because if you teach back and you say, you know, I heard this, is that correct? Most of the time, yes, but sometimes you might have missed something, or they didn't relay it in their best words. So then if they don't hear you teaching them back what they wanted to tell you, they're going to re-paraphrase that and ensure that you do understand. Um, so when you do that, that creates connection, that creates care, and that will allow them to open up to you on a deeper level of trust. Because once you establish that you do understand them, then they're going to you know, nod in agreement um, and continue down that, and that's going to strengthen that bond between provider and patient that will really lead to outcomes because nothing's going to happen until they trust you and listening, doing the teach back method that um, Dr. Souders just went through uh, is really paramount in getting that established. That was such a nice summary, Adam, and it's so on point. When we're striving for patient-centered care, 
how can it feel patient-centered if you're not doing that? Mm -hmm. And that it, it shows compassion. It shows that you care enough to be a little vulnerable yourself and to be wrong in front of them. Yes. Not grossly wrong, but you're showing that you're human. So you're by paraphrasing back, you're showing that you may have made a mistake and you care about that, that you care more about the connection and the communication than you care about your rightness. Ego. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that's really key. And and for me in my practice, that's how I communicate. Um, I make mistakes um, and I own up to them. And I think that not only is a good thing with being a healthcare provider, but being a leader, because that's going to translate with your staff, with others you work with that you know, you are human and you own up to that and you do what you can to make it right. Um, saying like, you know, this is in, in our example here, you know, this is what I heard. And if they say, oh, no, that's not what I said. Instead of saying like, well, you don't know how to communicate. Instead of saying, oh, I might just take ownership. Just say like, oh, I might have misunderstood my fault. Please allow me to understand better. Um, can you word that another way or please help me understand? So that doesn't put the blame, it's accepting responsibility, okay, because that's going to just like you said, have that, that human error component in, in a good way, just taking ownership. And I think that's really what that's about. Um, and, and looking with that point, so the second point we talked on is quieting our brain so that we can really be present and listen to them. What can happen, one of the drawbacks of that that, that could come out is if we listen too much, it can create kind of a sense of overwhelm so we want to narrow down like one main point but they might be going off like well i've got this problem and that problem and there's this wrong and i've got to fix that and i gotta do this oh and i can't forget about that so if you do that that can lead into the third point in our talk um in how to prioritize the issues voiced and deal with that potential overwhelm that can come out of it Boy, yeah, because you do open a door, and when you open a door, <laughs> you can't just slam it shut. In there. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's rude. So then, this is the biggest problem, I think, undermining good communication in a healthcare setting is our time constraints. I have time constraints. I'm in a clinic setting. There's 20 minutes between patients, which means I have really 15 minutes functionally in the room with the patient and five minutes after we depart the room for me to do my charting, review everything for the next patient and then go in and see the next person. That's not a lot of time. And you do begin to feel this pressure. And I think that is the thing that leads to the interruptions because there is always this, this sense of this time pressure. Um, for me, I've got people in the waiting room, right? And if I've had a complicated patient and I'm running late, I don't want to get to where I feel like I'm, I'm shortchanging the person who's in front of me now who had nothing to do with that. You probably are standing at the pharmacy counter and you probably see a line going back six people and they're all standing there and looking at their shoes and they're tapping their feet and they're looking at their phones and 
you, you feel this pressure. Mm. I don't know how you experience it, but I, I feel like it's um, something that you really have to work hard at not letting that overwhelm get in the way. So typically what I like to do in that situation is just be very frank and honest with the patient and say, listen, you know, we've got, we've got only so much time today. I'd really like to delve into all of these issues, but let's, let's pick the top one or two for you today. Or you may, as the healthcare provider say, well, okay, as I see it, these are the top things that we need to address right now. Some of these can wait. That opens you to then let them respond, see if they say that those are also their top priorities. You can approach it either way. How do you do it at the pharmacy counter? What's that like for you? Um, let's see, organized chaos, combat. Let's see, what's the best word? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely a skill and you can get overwhelmed if you let it. Um, I really think that comes with practice and you know being in those situations where you're short staffed, you know, it's Monday at 4 p.m. rush hour, you know, after a holiday and, and just dealing with that extreme. But I think focusing on what you can control, uh, what I like to call controlling the controllables. So right now in that moment, can you control that there's 20 people in line? No. Can you control that the phone's ringing off the hook? No. But the person, the patient that you're talking with in that moment, can you control how you talk to them, what you say, how you make them feel most importantly? Yes, yes, you can. And that's the whole reason behind the fit pharmacist movement is empowering you to a place so that when you are in those super stressful situations, you will be face to face with the patient. And what you do prior to that situation, be that your physical health, your mental health, what you eat, that's going to set you up for dealing with that in a either appropriate or inappropriate manner. So if it, you know, if you're in that situation, what I just painted that grim picture of in the pharmacy with all those factors going on, not to mention the phones ring off the hook, the drive through the person that drop off yelling, why aren't you here yet? Whatever. Um, in that moment, you're going to be face to face with a patient. And if you are rushed and run around, people might not judge you. But what if you instead could be fully present with that patient? I'm not saying spend 60 minutes with them, but how you make them feel that is the art and that is the skill. You might only get to talk to them for 20 seconds, but what you say, how you say it, how you make them feel, do you make them feel rushed? Do you make them feel heard? Do you make them feel taken care of? The feeling you portray by how you act, the tone of your voice, the eye contact, all those minute factors compound to showing that you actually care about the patient. And yes, people can misunderstand things and so forth, but I'm talking about what you can control. You can't necessarily control how someone perceives you, but you can absolutely set yourself up for success in being in that moment, listening, being present, the things that we're talking about right now. And like I said, it, it might only be a 20-second conversation, but if you talk with compassion, you're fully engaged, you're not thinking about other stuff going on, but really being in that moment with the patient, they're going to think, wow, he was really there with me I see how busy it is, like the phones are off the hook, there's 20 people behind me, this and that. But imagine the impact you could have on someone. They will feel 
wow, there's all this stuff going around. He's the only one in the pharmacy bouncing like a ping pong ball, but he showed me that he actually cares. That makes me feel taken care of. That makes me feel special. Imagine the level of care you can provide with a patient who feels that way about their healthcare provider. Imagine the recommendations you give. Do you think they're going to be implemented by someone that they feel that cares about them as opposed to someone that they don't feel cares about them? The impact you have really is tied to how you can make that patient feel with the care that you provide them. And while you might not be able to you know, determine the level of help you have or how busy it is or whatnot, the presence that you have through your lifestyle, through those things you can control, again, controlling the controllables, that will directly translate into care you give them and care received. And that is what it's all about, in my opinion. I think that's great. It really is. Um, yeah, basically, you're saying the serenity prayer to yourself. <laughs> Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing I think, too, is watch your, as, you, as you're present, you are able to also better control your body language and your facial expressions. I try to make sure that despite what's rolling and boiling inside of me, if I smile, then there's a lot of neurobiology research that shows that even if you are furious or depressed or upset or whatever, if you force a smile, it actually causes neurochemical changes in your body that will, if you keep working on it, elevate your mood. Yes. So a person who sees you doesn't just hear you, but they look at you. So it's also important to make that body language match that sense of being present that's in your mind. So you also want to make sure you're making that eye contact. Um, you're having a calm demeanor, um, an approachable demeanor. You may not feel like it, but you can force that smile. And if you do, it's going to become genuine. Absolutely. Um, and guys, if the, we've talked a lot about the concept of presence. Um, there's a phenomenal book written by Amy Cuddy called Presence um, that really talks on a lot of these points, um, not specific to healthcare, but one of my passions is learning through reading and conferences and then taking those main concepts and then applying it to the healthcare setting. So just like Dr. Souter said, having that body language, being fully engaged, um, eye contact, just showing some little special creative gesture that shows you actually care. Um, I've mentioned in previous podcasts, one of the things that I do um, for my patients who I've formed this relationship with, um, I have smiley stickers in, in my pharmacy. So if I know they're having, you know, they're, they're there, um, I put one on their prescription bag. So they get it. They know, I don't say anything. It's just a smiley sticker. They know who put it there and they smile immediately. And, and I know because like, I'll be busy, you know, helping someone else. And they'll wait around. They'll literally wait and they'll be like, hey, Adam, I, I just want to say like, thank you so much for the sticker. Like That was really nice. I really needed that today. I've been really down. So it's just a very simple thing that has a lasting impact and it costs like nothing. Um, it's just one creative thing that I do to form that, um, that relationship with the patient and keep it going and show them, that, yes, I care. Yes, I know about you. You are here. I, I see you. I hear you. And I'm here to help you. So really establishing that can happen, um, which I think is important. Now, 
we talked about overwhelm being the third point. But what can happen if, if we get too overwhelmed is we can lead into a fourth issue of the fourth point in our talk, which is negative talk, be that internal or external. Um, so sometimes, like I had mentioned, um, with the teach back method is sometimes patients get very upset for whatever reason. Um, they could just be having a bad day. We all have those. But that's something that I think would be really helpful for people is when you are faced with that situation and you're having that, that negative talk, what's, a, what's the best way that you found uh, through your experience to address that in a professional manner so you can get them back on page uh, to the ultimate goal of helping them with their health? Yeah, it's, it's a really challenging situation when you've got people who are, who are really, really negative. Um, I guess one of the first things that I encounter with people is they'll be, they'll be upset if I'm running late, right? So they're, they're going to be antsy and they're going to be you know in a negative frame of mind before we utter the first word um and so i think making people feel heard and feel that their opinion counts regardless of whether you like it is really important i think being honest and apologizing if you've done something in the interaction that may not be ideal which we're human we all we all have that i'm sorry i'm running late uh i'm i'm sorry that i didn't hear what you said earlier you know please give me an opportunity to rehear that um i'm sorry that your other doctor didn't live up to your expectations uh maybe as a pharmacist you are you're getting people who come in they're already angry because their doctor as you talked about earlier their their doctor didn't even explain these medications so i think what we need to do is um try to own whatever's going on either from ourselves or from the standpoint of being a healthcare practitioner and understanding that the environment that we are both operating in as patient and practitioner is not always ideal and expressing a real sense of effort to try to to make it better for that person for their specific needs in that particular time every person's going to be a little bit different yes so i think that um i can break that down into some simple action steps so the first thing is acknowledging it so i this is like 101 this this works because i i put it into practice um and i I think you can relate to this too is when someone comes in angry say i can tell that you're angry so just acknowledging that that'll bring awareness and then owning it and apologizing for and at working to correct what you can so saying like i'm sorry that it's backed up i like for for my instance let's say it's extremely busy i had a call off so it's, you know, I'm, I've got 30 prescriptions to check in 10 minutes or, or something like that. So someone drops off a prescription. Oh, I need it right away. I'm going to wait. Just say like, oh, you know, I, I see that you're in a hurry. I'm really sorry. We're very backed up. 
and just being honest, you know, we're really backed up. I can get it for you in about a half an hour. Um, I know that's not as quick as you'd like it. I'll work as fast as I can. Um, really backed up right now. I had a call off, but you know, I will do my very best to get this for you. Um, can I call you when it's ready or do you have a cell phone? I can text you so that you get a notification immediately so that when you know when the prescription is ready to pick up. So what did I do? I acknowledged their needs. Um, I was honest with them. You know, I, I'm not a, going to be able to meet your expectation, um, just being honest, but I will do my best at correcting it and, you know, getting what you do desire and deserve. But this is just the situation right now. I can't control that, but I can control this. And that's what I'm going to do to deliver for you. Right. Yeah, I think, I think that's really, really important. And the other thing for us as healthcare workers is not to take it personally if a patient comes at us with a really bad attitude because we don't know what's going on in someone else's life. We don't know what their challenges and stressors are. I mean, you could have somebody there in your office who's just gotten a diagnosis of cancer or somebody there to pick up meds who's just gotten a diagnosis of cancer. They're, they're overwhelmed. Or maybe they're caring for a family member who's ill. Maybe they have an ill child. And now all rolling through their brain is all this stuff about how am I going to manage my work? How am I going to manage my life? You know, they're dealing with their sense of overwhelm and their struggle to be present just exactly like we are. And if we're focusing on it, we're likely to maybe have better skills and be able to control ourselves and the situation better. So helping to use our self-control to bring them into that moment, that's a tough one. If you can do that, you've you've really done a great job with your communication and your ability to express empathy to that person. They may not want to open up to you and that's fine, but always keep in the back of your mind that you really don't know what's going on inside their world. And the best method of dealing with someone who's confrontational is to not be like that yourself. Yes. Give what you want to receive. So if you want understanding and love, give understanding and love. If they're giving you hate, don't give it back because that's what you're going to receive. Um, so that's, that's a huge concept. Um, and, and you touched on one of four points, actually, um, that I think, especially pharmacists, but really any health, anyone that's working in healthcare should really adopt uh, these four mindsets to keep, just keep in perspective uh, when interacting with patients because it's going to, in, in my view, really keep you in the game in the long run so that you don't fall privy to overwhelm and taking things personally and just things that can destroy your morale um, in, in helping people. Because uh, what you touched on is something that I had to address with a colleague because um, I saw a, you know, a pattern that kept coming on. Um, whenever a patient would come in, regardless of the reason, they would be you know, super angry or hostile or just make snide remarks. And she started to take it personally. And I could tell because after they left, they were very offended and it lasted and lingered for like an hour. You know, oh, how could she do that? How could she say that? What, what, what's her problem, blah, blah, blah. And I had to say like, hey, you don't know if she just came from the doctor and had like a diagnosis or maybe she just got divorced or maybe her kid just ran away from home. 
or maybe she just got rear-ended on the way here and they drove away and now she's got to deal with that. You know, you don't know. And one thing to keep in mind is people that come in the pharmacy are coming there for a reason. They're not really coming in there just to say hi, although I do have patients that do that and it's pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm blessed with those I serve. Um, but people coming to the pharmacy are there because in most cases they have an illness, they're sick, or they're trying to manage a condition um, that they're not very excited about. So they're coming in there with that setup of upset or you know discomfort or disgust or shame or whatever that might be. So that's might probably going to be relayed in how they talk, what they say. So being aware of that, where you are, you know, who are you serving, um, is just something to keep in mind so that you don't take it personally. Yeah, that's a big contributor to burnout. Yes. Burnout is such a big problem in healthcare. And I think that's probably one of the main contributors. We've had a lot of changes in terms of you know, computerized health records that changes how we work. Um, it does create barriers for eye contact and, and human interaction when you have to stare at your computer while you're working. Um, we've all had to adapt to that. Um, we've had our, you know, our time periods probably shortened for efficiency in many cases. Um, we have ups and downs in, you know, our schedules in terms of volume. So, uh, the day you never know, you think your day is going to go one way, but it, it could go completely sideways and you can, you can quickly have something that looked routine turn into just a, a you know, a, a, a snowball effect of problem. Um, and, and then if we start to take the negatives personally, we're now we're, we're not only taking the, the chores or the, the challenges that the, the profession puts on us, but now we're, now we're heaping them on from ourselves, right? So that's, that's where I think a lot of, of burnout can come from. I don't know for sure. I'm not an expert in that area, but it is certainly an area of big concern, I think, in all healthcare professions. Absolutely. Definitely. In, in pharmacy, I see those that um, do burn out or, you know, have to change niches um, from something that they once were passionate about, that's, that tends to be one of the themes is, you know, taking things personally, um, making assumptions and so forth. So those are, you know, not, not the end all be all, but definitely a pattern that I do notice. So going back to interacting with the patient, we touched on four really important points to keep in mind. Uh, first one is, you know, from the first interaction at, at the very beginning is creating that opportunity for them to voice their concerns and just feeling comfortable. Uh, next, we moved into uh, the second point, which is quieting our brain as the healthcare professional, um, being trained to analyze and work through that, but really being present and listening to what the patient has to say. Um, which will sometimes lead to Pandora's box opening, <laughs> um, really going you know, about all the issues. So third point being you know, prioritizing concerns and dealing with that overwhelm. And then addressing the fourth point, which is sometimes you will get some flack or, or negativity from people. So how to address that negativity, uh, not taking it personally and some other tips we just went through, um, which leads us actually to our fifth and final point, um, which is 
closing the visit, the interaction with the patient on a positive note, and kind of setting the stage for opportunity for how we can move forward in the future. Yeah, and let's let's just do a little example of it right here. Adam, I'm really grateful that you invited me to speak with you today. I have very much enjoyed all of the thought and energy that you've put into this topic. I find you very, very engaging and intellectually inspiring. And I really hope that you continue this and would love to spend more opportunities talking about things in the future. Wow. Thank you so much for that. that you're making me beam over here. <laughs> but that's a way to close out a patient conversation, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So, so. You, you give them, I, I like to look at a character strength. So if someone has come in and everything is just, let's say in my pain practice. So we have patients and gosh, there's, you know, they're slogging through their physical therapy. They're you know, they're trying to manage this, this anti-inflammatory diet, you know, they're trying to lose weight, you know, they're trying to manage these medications, they're getting these needles poked, and the, the whole thing, the, the panoply of, of stuff that people have to deal with, and, you know, oftentimes I'll just say, you know, you're such a trooper, um, you really are persistent at, at doing everything that you can to improve your ability to cope with your pain and to remain as highly functional as possible. I really applaud you for your strength and your ability to keep going with this. And that really helps people to not feel like they're, that they should give up. You know, it, it acknowledges that they are controlling what they can control, that they're taking ownership of themselves. And it, it opens them up to continuing or being being accessible to trying even new things because you have given them a, a, the feedback that they're making progress they're being open they're they're taking charge they're 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 owning what they can own of their stuff and you have confidence in them that they're gonna keep getting better now, sometimes that's not necessarily true. I would have a different conversation with a cancer patient. I would talk to them about um, a sense of courage and maybe their sense of um, spiritualism, being at peace with themselves, how, how, they've, how they've found um, a, a, a sense of, of being in their life where they feel as though they're gaining fulfillment no matter what the future holds for them. You have to tailor it to different situations. But I think if you, if you give them a little compliment without it being something silly, but something meaningful that actually says something about them and who they are as a person, I think they're going to leave that situation with a sense of empowerment and a feeling that you're compassionate and that you are someone that's approachable that they can come back to. Even after a negative in interaction, I will, I will tell people, you know, I'm really glad that you had the courage to bring this up and tell me how you felt. And, you know, then, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm sorry for my contribution to the situation. I absolutely appreciate what you told me because it can help me to become better 
in the future with every other patient I see. You know, that's that's a way you can close some of those negatives um, when they when they come up. You hit exactly on my three points. You stole them. <laughs> um, and th- no, those are good because that means we're on the same page, uh, which I think is, is phenomenal. So in closing an interaction, you want to acknowledge, you want to empower. So making that specific individualized comment and then supporting them, saying, I'm here for you, like if you ever need anything. So to, to I guess you could say translate it to pharmacy practice, um, use what you guys have is you have their prescription right there. So use their patient name. So acknowledge. So Mrs. Smith, I know you had, you know, let's say we're going back to the pharmacy being super busy because that rarely happens. Right. So just saying, you know, Mrs. Smith, I, I appreciate, I know you, I know this took longer than expected. So I really appreciate you waiting. Thank you for being so patient. So we acknowledge them. Okay. Um, we empower them. So if you ever have any medication questions or you want me to go through this, please feel free to call or stop in. You know, my name's Adam. I'm the pharmacist. Um, here's my phone number you know, for the pharmacy. Feel free to call. Um, you can give them a business card if you have for your pharmacy so they have you know, the hours on there and whatnot so they know when and, and who to call. Um, and just say, you know, I can follow up with you if you'd like. So that offers the support um, and, and the empowerment. So they have the counseling there. Um, if you don't have the wherewithal to do it right then and there, but having that follow-up, setting the stage, opening opportunity for the future, um, which I think is is really important because it's not just a one point of care, but an ongoing support system that really helps with that consistency in in their optimal health. It really can, and it may get them thinking about other little changes they can make just in a healthy lifestyle and in in empowering them gives them maybe that little spark that lets them see okay well maybe i need to start taking charge of how i eat or how i lose weight or how i manage my stress you know it you never you never really know what the impact is of one small word of kindness or just acknowledging a person's inner character strengths. Um, They may not feel as though they're a strong person, but if you tell them that you see that in them, maybe they'll begin to see it in themselves a little bit and it helps to move them forward in their challenges. Absolutely. Um, Well, guys, this has been one incredible podcast that I think imparts value, not just on pharmacy, but anyone listening who's a healthcare provider or you're in school soon to be graduating. Um, looking at the five points we covered in communicating with a patient or another healthcare provider. First point being create that opportunity, helping them to feel comfortable so they can share their concerns. Second, quieting your brain as the healthcare practitioner so you can fully be present and listen to what they're saying. Third, prioritizing what they're saying and dealing with potential overwhelm um, should they voice you know, concern after concern in a never-ending list. The fourth being addressing negative talk or negative feedback that you get from patients, providers, or others you work with. And the fifth and final is closing that visit and that interaction on a positive note and setting opportunity for the future. So it has been an absolute honor, Dr. Souders, for having you on the show. You are so passionate about helping your patients feel heard 
and working with other healthcare professionals like myself in pharmacy, just as one of many examples that you impart to advance not only your profession, but also healthcare overall in a global perspective, because that creates better care for our patients, inspiring others, including myself, to give our best foot forward to advance what we do as one part of the healthcare team, all working collectively to push our patients together to help guide them towards their optimal health. Thanks, Adam. It's been just an absolute joy. Well, good. Um, I hope you had fun. Um, guys, I hope you all had some great value from this podcast and you can put these into practice so that you can lead your patients to their best health through everything that you do to inspire them to be better for yourself so that you can translate that into better care for your patients. Thank you so much for listening. This is Dr. Adam Martin with the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Be great, be relentless, and be your best self.